As a professional mascot, one of the hardest things is finding creative props and toys to use while you're performing. It's hard unless you visit the store at GameOps.com. My friends over at GameOps.com have dozens of mascot-related products. Okay, here's an example. You're working on a proposal skit. They have a giant engagement ring prop to make the joke even bigger. There's plenty more at the store, so visit the store, GameOps.com, and take a look. It's awesome, man. They have everything. Check it out. Welcome to Between the Fur. I'm Ken, and as a professional mascot, I need professional costumes, right? People always ask me, who makes your costumes? I tell them Alinko Costumes in Salt Lake City. Alinko makes just about everything for me, and they do an amazing job. Alinko not only builds costumes, they have a design service that's free, and they also service their costumes as well. However, now the largest and oldest costume company in the U.S. just turned it up a notch by bringing on my friend John Absey, formerly the Jazz Bear, to help with product development, processes, sales, and quality control. Hey, if you need a costume done right from the very start, don't waste time or money. Call Alinko. That's spelled A-L-I-N-C-O and get it done right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, coming in. Coming in. Yeah. Between the fur. Uh, hey, hey, Paul. Hey, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Gosh, it is so great to have you on here. We haven't connected in how long? Uh, it's been quite a few years. Oh man, it's got to be what twenty years? Like literally, be, you know, since we've talked on the phone. Other than we talked yesterday, yes. so it has not been an actual twenty years. Want to be honest there? Just got to be honest. So, um, Paul, yes, how you how you been, man? Paul is the original boomer for the Indiana Pacers. He was the first guy in uh, it to be boomer, and. Uh, what a time uh, that was. Oh, my gosh. We had a great time together. And th- we were both super young at the time and uh, f- just new in the league and everything. What year did you start? Uh, I started in 1991. Okay. So a year after me. And what? Uh, I was from- 23 when I started there. Wow. Yeah. I was 23 when I started with uh, with my team. But. Yeah, so we're like a, just a year staggered there. Man, yep. that's yeah. So that was <laughs> back in the uh back in the old days. That's the early days of the uh the uh, uh crazy mascots. Yes. Yes. Gosh, when the when the when the mascot boom started to happen, you know, all of a sudden like the gorilla was yeah. hot on the scene and it was huge and everybody wanted to create that wanted to recreate that or whatever or it was all of a sudden realizing the power and the reach and the influence that a mascot could have especially in the nba yep absolutely yeah so all of a sudden everybody was grabbing people up and you came from where the gorilla started uh, or the guy that plays the gorilla uh you guys were together at what asu right yeah arizona state university we uh were on the gymnastics team together uh, in 1985, I think, uh, that's, well, that's when I started on the gymnastics team, uh, as a walk-on. And, uh, then shortly after, uh, I remember him leaving and I think that was, he, he got the job for the gorilla. Several of the gymnasts from ASU auditioned for that job. And, uh, uh, Bob Wolf ended up getting that job. A uh, couple of years later, one of my training partners, Mike Zarilla, who Mike Zarillo, who uh, we trained for uh, the Olympics together, uh, he ended up getting the uh, Charlotte Hornets job. And then yep. once, and then a year or so later, once I finished uh, competing gymnastics and graduating college, I decided, well, hey, I can do that stuff too. So I started, uh, I talked to a friend of mine, Jerry Burrell, who was also on ASU gymnastics team, uh, talked to him and he's, you know, said, Hey, why don't you get a cover letter together and a resume and start sending it out to all the teams. So I did that. I followed through with exactly what he said and got a few responses. Uh, the Lakers, basically, they were like, they were rude about it saying, Oh, we'll never have a mascot. And, you know, <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. You could have just been nice about it and just said, thank you. But no, 
the Miami Heat were very cordial about it and said, uh, you know, we agree completely with your idea of having a mascot. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, we already have somebody. And yep, uh, that was I, Wes at the yeah, time. Yeah, Wes. Oh, my God. Wes is probably the funniest person I've ever met in my life. The thing <laughs> in and out of costume. Oh, absolutely. Wes is all around funniest guy. Absolutely. Yep. The things he could pull off and not, you know, piss somebody off was just astounding. So yeah. he uh, walked that line so well. I love oh just sitting and watching him. So uh, yeah, his character. Even one little side, one little side story about Wes. This is uh, we were in Orlando for a mascot Olympic for uh the children's wish foundation and there'd be yeah. like 40 oh, yeah. or 40 or 50 mascots down there a bunch of crazies get you put a bunch of crazies together and you just don't know what happens I, we used to dance out on the dance floor and drop stink bombs out there and see the people's faces while they were dancing and they're like oh my god what was who farted and all of a sudden you know all of a sudden <laughs> they were right back to doing dancing you know it was like oh god okay so but <laughs> The funniest thing he ever pulled off was uh, we were having a room party in my room and it was probably three o'clock in the morning and the cops showed up and one of the cops was a female. Wes comes out, you know, I'm trying to, you know, okay, yeah, we'll keep it down, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm scared to death. I don't want to get arrested or anything. Wes comes out and he's got a little uh, uh, rubber thing in his pocket. It's, it's a little <laughs> fart maker. And he, he starts, he starts like hitting on the female cop and he's like, Hey, how you doing? All of a sudden, Oh, and I'm standing there going, oh, my God, we're going to get arrested. And he just keeps going on and on like nothing's happening. He's just uh, relentless with that stuff. He doesn't quit. And it's so funny. He gets to with the point where it's just hilarious. You can't stop laughing because he just goes with it with that serious face. Oh, God. Yeah. And it's, it's like, how do you not get arrested doing that in front of cops? You know, so. <laughs> Oh, hey, well, all right. So back great. to uh, back to where I got started. So, you know, I followed everything Jerry Burrell, you know, said, you know, put out a, re a resume and a cover letter. And uh, I got a call from the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets uh, wanted to bring me in, audition me for this. And then uh, at one point in time, they somebody from the Rockets office called me and said, well, how tall are you? And I you know, told them I was five, five. And they're like, Oh, well, we kind of need somebody about six feet tall. We already have a costume. We're just replacing the old guy. And I'm like, Oh, well, let me see what I can do. So I <laughs> recommended Jerry Burrell. Jerry Burrell called them. They brought him out to audition. He gets the job. I'm uh, like, great. I do all the footwork. Jerry gets <laughs> the job. Now there's three people from ASU mascotting in the nba but fortunately enough for me a week later uh the indiana pacers called me they brought me in auditioned me i got the job there so now there's four of us from asu that are uh in the nba doing crazy stuff under you know i i called myself a paid idiot <laughs> that's what i was you that's know very that's very uh accurate and descriptive of uh, most I got, of us how fun was that what a great gig <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. And, you know, Jerry, uh, just going back a little bit. So Jerry was the, was, uh, was a booster. Yeah. Booster from Houston. Yeah. Oh, and that guy, that, that costume was, was huge first of all. And, uh, just really kind of a cross between, a, a an alien, uh, big bird. And cause I remember those rings around his legs and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, it was just so, uh, yeah, Jerry started there and Jerry went on to, uh, create once he left rockets, uh, some somewhat, I, he made a name for himself. They're big time. High but he also the high went impact on, team. Yep. And so now he's, uh, he runs a, a team of dunkers that, uh, and, and among other stuff. And he's very, uh, involved in communities and does a lot of charity, charity work yeah. and stuff. He's and I want to get him on here. He's actually with his team, uh, and he I did I think he did it solo too. He's been on America's Got Talent uh, two or three oh, times at least. That's right. So yeah, yeah. that's the talent oh, yeah. that that these that the mascots in the NBA have is you know he he I think he made it to the uh, finals or quarterfinals of America's Got Talent when uh, Sharon Osbourne was one of the judges. She absolutely right. loved him. That's right. I remember watching that. Yeah. 
talented guy. I got to oh, get him on here. Very but, talented. Yeah. So, so you know what? Okay. Back to Indiana. What was it like? You started that costume. You started yes. that character, right? Yeah. I, uh, when I got there, they didn't have anything. They were like, here you go. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, I, so I, I, I literally had to build the program myself. Uh, I, you know, uh, once, uh, I started with a, a costume designer that they had already had and um, they uh, she, she had no idea of what to do. And this lady was out of Chicago. The first drawings she gave to me were the pink Panther, but blue. And I'm like, no, no, no. Everybody's going to recognize it's the pink Panther. So we started creating and I'm like, no, let's make the, hound, the, the head a little more round and the eyes bigger and let's put a little Muppet hair on it. And uh, that's what we came up with for uh, Boomer. And uh, it, was, it was a blue. They came up with the, the name, the Pacers Panther. And it looked more like a mouse, but it was cartoony, you know, with the yellow Muppet hair and the blue fur for the skin. You know, hope, you know hopefully it wouldn't scare kids. That was the idea. You know, through the, throughout right. the years, you'd show up and the kid would, it, the kid's eyes would get, you know, big as can be and be screaming because Boomer showed up. Ah! I'm so scared, <laughs> you know, but then, you know, you, the, the kids that warm up happens. to it. No, never. <laughs> uh, I get adults so, that did that too, you know? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I still do. Still. Yeah. do. So you actually got to help design that character. I love that. Yeah. I, I don't know that anybody has, I, I, even though I was the first, uh, I just, I, the character was already designed. Yeah, the look and everything was already there. The name was already there. So you actually got to help name, help create this whole character. Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. So that was that was uh, part of the fun in it for me because when I got started, uh, literally, literally, they we got threats at the Indiana Pacers because this is a basketball town. I mean, the Basketball Hall of Fame, you know, and the High School Basketball Hall of Fame is in Indiana. And it, it's just so big, you know, the, they didn't want a mascot, some stupid mascot running around the, you know, audience. And it actually, it literally took me yeah, about okay, a year. Layers. <laughs> yeah, right. It literally took me about a year and a half before the crowd really started accepting me. And I can tell you the crowd did start accepting me as I got thrown out of a game by an official. And what? I, yeah, I had, I had this toy box on the end behind the basketball stanchion and I had, you know, I'd pull out my silly string and, you know, my signs, you know, to yell and scream for the fans. And I'm standing back there at some point, you know, and uh, <clears throat> making noises and, you know, trying to distract the players from their free throws or whatever. And this uh, referee comes flying to signal, you're out of here. And what? My boss was sitting over on the you know side, and he's screaming at the uh, the, the referee, and um, the referee points at me and is like, "Get out of here!" But you know, so I ran to the back, <clears throat> not knowing you know what all had happened. And my boss comes back and he's like, uh, "Yeah, you've been thrown out of the game." And the crowd was just boo. You could hear from behind, you know, in the uh, concourse, the crowd booing at the referee so so my boss talked to the referee at halftime and they got me to come back in and he said you know behave don't go anywhere near the players or the refs you know do you know just stay out of you know everybody's eyesight so come the third quarter I start walking up the tunnel slowly and I've got my you know shoulders shrugged and my head down and all of a sudden you started hearing from one section to the next, to the next, to the next, a roar of cheers because Boomer was coming back into the game after he had been thrown out. <laughs> oh, it was it's amazing. Like, it's like they don't want to really accept you until, wait, 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 somebody's messing with you? Oh, yeah. Uh -uh. <laughs> and then, then oh, now he's gone. Now. Where is he? Where is he? And then finally, you know, they see me coming back in. I literally was like playing it off. I was just like, my head's down. I've got my hand over my, you know, mascot face and going, oh, gee, you know, I'm not really supposed to be here. Like a little kid that's in trouble, you know, <laughs> and the crowd just erupted. It was awesome. Ah, oh, that's so great. I love situations like that. Like, oh, yeah. I, I mean, you can't plan that stuff. 
you can't. And I mean, this was something that happened in the, uh, we have a big radio station, Q95. It's the, you know, classic rock station and Bob and Tom, uh, they are the staple of this radio station. They're a com uh, comedic team in the mornings, every morning on Q95. And they were talking about it the next morning. Oh. about how boomer got ejected from an nba game and how great it was and how oh, the crowd was just you know you know booing the officials and all that and it, it was it was amazing just one thing led to another and then all of a sudden boomer's popularity just e exploded oh that's so great what a great story i mean it's it's those situations that you just kind of you know you hope for yeah you can't plan but you're like, man, something has got to happen here. And, uh, and then when it does, it's like, okay, this is it. Roll with it. That is exactly. So and that's the, that's the artistry of being a mascot. Yep. It's, Timing. and the, yep. Exactly. There's something, you, you know, you're, you're uh, planned, you know, on the schedule during a game, you know, at the, the first time out of the first quarter, you know, you have a skit. And – you plan for a skit and you hope it's going to be funny and entertaining. And the crowd's like, what? That was stupid. <laughs> and you run off and you're like, well, that didn't work. You know? So yeah. it's like some things work and things that even are unplanned work to your benefit. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, in my career, um, I've, I've had a lot of things happen. So like one time, uh, and a lot of it has to do with my half court shot. One time I couldn't hit the side of a barn. Okay. So I'm like, just throwing this ball, throwing this ball, throwing this ball, and I can't hit anything. Uh, but the last shot I'm throwing it up. Uh, it looks like it's going in and Russell Westbrook comes out and swats it. Oh. You know? And the crowd just goes nuts and booze and everything. Because if I hit my shot, everybody was going to get nachos. Right. You know, in the, in the crowd. And then, you know, here to have him swap that. Oh, you know, it, it creates a enemy. It, it creates a hero. You know, those types of things, those those scenarios, um, you know, the underdog and, the, you know, whatever. So, you know, you know, walking off the court after he did that, I was just like, oh, yeah, it's on, dude. I'm, I, I got my eye on you. <laughs> you know, oh, I'm playing this up. People are booing. And I'm like, oh, just wait. I'll be back. I'll be back. Uh huh. You watch. You know, that type of thing. And uh, anyway, so it, it creates this stir. Um, I'll tell you one other one with a referee where uh, he just got booed. So I'm about to go do my half-court shot, okay? Something happens just at the end of that time or whatever, okay? So all of a sudden, the whistle blows, but it was just at a controversial moment or something. And uh, so the referee held onto the ball. And he's talking to the referee, he's talking to a player. And then uh, I've told my assistant, every assistant, hey, don't ever, ever, ever touch the game ball. I shoot with the game ball. I'm the only one that can touch the game ball. Okay. So referees will understand if it's me, they won't understand if it's you touching the game ball. So my assistant at the time, <laughs> he knew better. Come on. He goes, <laughs> right? well, the referee, I go to center court. You know, and I'm kind of like, I noticed that the referee has the ball. Come on, you know. And uh, uh, so I just kind of head towards center court and uh, I'm going to shoot my shot and everything. Once I once he sets the ball down, then I'll run over. and I'll grab the ball. OK, but I just thought I'd go to center court and wait. Well, no, no, no. My re my assistant runs over to the referee while he's talking to this player. And he's like, uh, 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 excuse me, ref. Excuse me. Yeah, and he's kind of leaning over, like leaning into the conversation, like, "Hey, excuse me, um, <laughs> yeah, he needs the uh, the basketball. He's gonna shoot his half court shot." That referee turned and was, I mean, his eyes shot open, and he just unleashed on my assistant, calling him all <laughs> kinds of names and telling him, you know, get off my court, and no, I'm not giving you the ball, and you know, blah blah blah, and then. He sets it down looking at me at this point, and he's like, don't you dare touch this ball. And he's just like, like at that point, the, ref, the whole crowd clued in, and they just erupted with this boo. Oh, yeah. And it was so loud. And then the referee walks past me, 
while I'm just standing there. Walks past me, screaming, almost spitting. And he's like, don't you dare embarrass me. Don't you dare embarrass me. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, I'm looking around like, man, you're embarrassing yourself. Right? <laughs> Crowd by this booing like crazy. Yeah, All your fault, dude. Cuckoo on this ref. Well, then I look back at my assistant who's standing there like, uh, I don't know what I, I don't know what to do, <laughs> and and I'm like I I motion like hello go get me a ball, you know <laughs> like I'm like hello go 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 go, so he t- all of a sudden catches on to what I'm getting at. He runs across the court, runs back in a tunnel, disappears. I'm standing there while this <laughs> buoy is going on. Yep, I'm kind of looking at my watch, tapping my foot a little bit, just kind of looking around or whatever. And look over the referee, and he's still just red-faced, you know. And uh, all of a sudden, the buzzer rings, timeout over, you know. And right then, my sister comes running back out of the tunnel, like, I got a ball, I got a ball. Finally. I'm like, yeah, I'm like waving him off, like, no, nope, too late. Can't do it. (laughs) Yeah, bye-bye. So I I just walk off the court, and I walk back in the tunnel. Well, I get back there, and uh, (laughs) – I have, I have, uh, I get, I grab a headset and I'm like, give me the next time out. You got to give me the next time out. So the next time out, I walk out there with my own ball at this point, holding it up in the air as if to say to the crowd, I got my own. Everything's all right. I got my own. So I walk, walk out to the center court, line up. I'm about to throw this thing. I look over at the referee and I just kind of give him a nod. Like, what's up? Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> uh huh. So, I uh, turn, throw it, backwards, sink it. First shot. First shot. That's awesome. First shot. I turn around very slowly, kind of tilt my head at the ref, and just start walking his way very slowly, <laughs> very cool. I just walk right up, and uh, as soon as I get to him, I slowly put my hand out, like, <laughs> there. And uh, – that referee, all of a sudden, his, his face, he just burst, he just let out this burst of laughter. And he's like, touche, man, touche. Right. <laughs> and it was awesome. all better. And the crowd just went, it just went nuts. I mean, it was like in your face, ref. And everybody yep. felt it. So it was, it was great. But anyways, back to you. So we went on a trip to uh, Australia one time. Yes. And one of the best trips of my whole career. It was, well, we, we actually, uh, uh, how many times I went, I went three times. One I of them. Twi- I went twice on that type of oh, uh, and trip. Yeah. The, the second time was, uh, the time we were there for a month. That was yeah. incredible. But oh, the yeah. first time, I think the first time, uh, you went was with John Abzi and we were only there for three days. No, 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 no. Okay, the one that you and I and Akuto went on. That was though that was the first one. We were only there for like two weeks. That yes, was amazing. that one was two weeks. So I went on the I went on the month one and I went on the two week one with you. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, and Kudo. We were over there with players. We were over there with what Scotty Brooks. Uh, yep. Yeah. Hakeem Elijahwan. Hakeem Elijahwan. Uh, Terry uh, Porter. Terry Porter. Yep. B.J. Armstrong. Um, oh, yeah. Um, and Kenny, Spud Kenny Webb. Smith. Kenny Smith and Spud Webb. Yes, and uh, Greg Anthony was on one of those as well. Yep. I actually yep. have I actually have this poster with all the autographs signed on uh, my wall at my house. And the uh, our uh, announcer for every show was Greg Lee, an actor from here out of L.A. That's right. I forgot his name. Yep. Oh, Greg Lee. Yep. And his wife was so nice and wonderful as well. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and you know, remember, they took us out. They took us. Okay. So we did a, on the two week one. On <laughs> Hold the on. I got, I got to cut you off real quick. I just yep. remember. They took us to the zoo. The Sydney Zoo, and we're over there, That's and, right. and they're letting us hold some of the animals. And one of the big uh, uh, bats that are like a foot tall crapped on your hand. <laughs> we, we were we were in co- we were in costume, and you were holding this bat, and it crapped on your hand. <laughs> That's right. Oh my gosh, I forgot all about that, man. Holy cow. <laughs> The experiences that we got. I mean, oh, yeah. Just 
just on that trip alone. I remember yep. looking at uh, a koala bear there. I, I remember walking around going, this is so crazy. They took oh, us. Okay. So we did some stuff in Sydney. Yep. Right. And then they took us to Gold Coast, the Gold Coast for oh, God, four yeah, days was, or something that like was, that. That, that was our time off. Yes. And we're yes, in this five star resort, which was incredible. <laughs> on the beach. On the beach. And then you, I, I know where you're going with this. You got lost body surfing and it was getting <laughs> dark. And literally, I ran back to the hotel to get security and call an ambulance because we thought you had drowned we were li- <laughs> we literally you know rode you know four or five waves in because it was such a swim because there's three different swells and you were hell-bent on getting out to that third swell that's well that's right it was also yep. a drift current <laughs> and for you to get out there and get back it drifted you like two miles down the beach and yeah. we're, we're freaking out. We're, we're yelling, Kenny, Kenny. We're going nuts. We're like, oh, my God, oh, my God. He's drowned. I mean, this, these swells are so big, and there's no way he handled it. I'm run back, you know, and I'm already exhausted from swimming in the ocean for so long. And I'm sprinting back to the hotel to get, you know, security to call an ambulance. Ambulance comes. We're still searching for you. All it of a sudden, got here dark, you, man. It, it got did. It, it, it got okay. Wh- okay, wait, we let, couldn't let, see let, you. We couldn't hear you. And here's an ambulance on the beach, and we're all freaking out. And here you come with your boogie board under your arm, trotting down the beach with this big ass Kenny Solomon smile on your face. <laughs> and we're like, oh my okay, god. So, so let me. I've I've told I've I've hinted at this story in the past so i've never on this podcast told the story from my from my point of view here okay so so we all we're there we've got four days i decided hey i'm gonna try and surf so i ordered a surfboard and that ended up just being you know ridiculous um could not learn how to surf on this little toothpick that they brought to me (laughs) yeah so we're all like, let's go body surfing. We're all going out there. We're all going. And uh, so we get out there. And there was. There was like three three different like um, – Breaks. Breaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the ones way out there were huge. Yep. I had never seen waves like that before. And I'm like, I am going to body surf down one of those. And we tried. Waves. We tried getting out there, and we couldn't because they were so big. And we got out. Yeah. We would all get out to the second swell. But it was like getting to the third. It's like that's almost impossible, and you were hell bent on getting out there. I know, and 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 the guys were, kept dropping off. Uh, my brother, my uh, you know, Kudo and his assistant, and my assistant. And you, I mean, yep, Thorpe was out there, man. He was like, he was he was gonna stick with me and everything. But um, man, so the last thing I remember is the sun is going down, and I see way on the shore at one point. I see. Thorpe. That was the last person I saw. Okay. Well, I'm still kind of trying to get out there. And I keep not getting knocked back, getting knocked back, getting knocked back. So I'm still swimming out. All of a sudden it gets really calm. And so I'm like, wait a second, where's the big waves? Right. At this point, I can't even see the hotel. Cause we were the last hotel on the beach and, and the drift current was, took you down there. Yeah. Yeah. We just kept moving down the beach, down the beach. And then all I can see is jungle. Okay. And at this point, and then, you know, I, was, Thorpe was gone. And at that point, so I'm out there by myself. It's starting to get dark. And I'm like, man, where'd the big waves go? You know what? They're staggered. I'm probably just in the little stagger part. You know, I'm probably just, but I see all these huge waves breaking in front of me. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to wait a second. I'm going to wait a little bit till they start breaking behind me again. No, that didn't happen. That didn't come. And, and it, now it's starting to get dark. So I'm like, I better start swimming in. So I'm like, man, that, that, that beach is so far away. <gasps> what if I'm going out? Yeah. You know? And I'm like, oh crap. So I really start paddling and I start paddling. It just, why, why did that occur? Why did that occur to me right then? I right? don't know. I mean, why didn't that occur to me sooner? Anyway. So I'm like paddling, 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 trying to get in, trying to, I got my boogie board. I'm, pad- I'm laying on it. I'm try- trying to swim in, trying to swim in. I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. And that happens for a little while. So I take a breath for a minute. 
and I'm laying there, you know, on my board, and I'm relaxing, whatever. I'm looking at the shore. It still looks just as far away as ever. Right. No waves in sight except in front of me. And so uh, I'm like, you know what? Uh, I just take a rest for a second. All of a sudden, I swear, probably no more than 10 feet in front of me, I see a big shark fin come up. Oh, God. Down. I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> my heart drops. And so what do I, you know, of course, at that point, I think I can walk on water. So I start paddling and slapping at the water as fast as I can, trying to like, I don't know, go as fast as I can or something. But it was, it was, I was panicked at that point. I don't know where my energy came from, but I just started paddling as fast as I could to get away from that area. Oh yeah. You know, cause I can, I can probably out swim a shark. So, yeah. um, <laughs> so anyways, I get to the point where. Okay, I've been going for a while now. It is now dark. Much dark. It is pretty much dark. There's, I, I can see the horizon. Okay, I can see where the beach is. I just don't know how far away it is. And at that point, I'm like, okay, I've got to talk to the man upstairs. Um, so I say a quick prayer. Literally, <laughs> I just, oh God, please, you know, yes, <laughs> please. I will do the work. Just, I know I got myself in this situation. <laughs> However, I need your help. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, just give me a wave, just a small wave to help me get forward a little bit. I'll keep paddling. I just need a little wave. No sooner did I say amen than a wave came and just like literally just picked me up and shoved me forward. It wasn't a big one at, by any means, but I started like, I, I was like, holy crap. Thank you. Thank you. I knew you're, I know you're listening. Thank you. And I just, <laughs> it gave me a little bit more energy and I started paddling, started paddling part. Anyways, I got to where I couldn't paddle anymore. And at this point it's pitch black. Right. I, okay. And now all of a sudden I'm like, you know, I could be literally out in the middle of the ocean here in, in no time. Oh yeah. But then I, so I look behind me and I see the horizon growing. I can tell the difference between the ocean and the sky. Yeah, uh, but it is. I mean, there is no more light. So I see this. I see the horizon rising behind me, and I'm like, "Oh, thank goodness! Oh, thank goodness!" So I'm. I start to paddle, and I get picked up. I start getting picked up in this wave, and I'm like, "Okay, okay, okay. This is it. This is it." So I kept swimming, kept swimming. No, no, no. This thing was so huge. It picked me up, and I felt like I was rising for like 30 seconds. Oh yeah. It was. It was so long that I was going up, and finally. Uh, I think, okay, any second now, I'm going to start riding this thing down. Nope. It tossed me out the front of this wave as it curled. <laughs> okay. So now I'm airborne and I'm falling forever. Fall and I hit and the wave pounds me down underneath the water. I'm underneath swirling around. Uh, I didn't get much of a breath. So uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm panicking. I'm holding my head just in case there's coral under there. I didn't want to just crack my head on some coral. So I'm covering my head, tossing around. And all of a sudden, it's, it, it, it settles down a little bit, and I realize I don't know which way is up, and I'm running out of air. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, my, uh, my boogie board catches, okay, and it, it starts pulling me up. So I know which way is up at this point. So I go – I get up just as I'm about to uh, you know, open my mouth and suck in some water. I, I, I hit the surface, <gasps> and I gasp, and I'm exhausted. Like every muscle in my body is just spent. And all of a sudden, I, uh, I, I'm trying to get my board underneath me. I'm just exhausted. And I see the wave coming again, like the horizon rising again. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going <laughs> to die. I'm going to die. So uh, anyways, this time, same thing. I go up in the wave, go up in the wave. I feel like I'm going up forever. And it, it, it occurs to me, hey, point your board down as hard as you can. Oh, yeah. So I and that'll did. push you in. That'll put the yes. that'll push you to ride the wave. Right, right. So just as I think I'm gonna get thrown out the top, I start dropping, you know, down into this wave. And literally it was just like kick, 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 kick. I was just skipping across the, the water coming down this wave. And I was like, Yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm riding, you know, finally got to ride this wave. And I'm I I ride this thing all the way into the shore. Like literally all of a sudden I feel sand underneath me and I roll off my board and lay there on my back looking up, thanking 
the man upstairs. Oh yeah. Well, for, this, you know, the fact at that this I'm point on... in time, we still don't know where you are. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'm getting an ambulance and the ambulance literally drives onto the beach and they're like, uh, what's going on? We're like, we, we lost our buddy. He, he's gone. <laughs> we don't know. Okay. So at this point I'm like, I've got to get, I got to get back. They're going to be worried about me. So I, I leave my boogie board strapped to my wrist and I just start running like jogging as, you know, as, as fast as I can, but I'm barely stepping. I'm just, you know, I'm just <sighs> trying to, you know, get going. So anyways, literally like two miles. Finally, I see the lights of the hotel. I come up there, there's lights flashing and everything. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on? I come up and, and I see, well, at this point, I see my brother walking out on the beach with his hands in his pocket. And he's like, dude, you all right? And I'm like, whew, yeah. He goes, well, <laughs> he goes, you better act like something's wrong because he says, there's ambulances, there's Coast Guard on the way, everything <laughs> is happening right now. He goes, you better act like something's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so all of a sudden everybody is running out there and you were running out there and oh, we were and we were Thorpe panicked about crying oh yeah yeah so we were anyway, panicked yeah so all was well and then we finished our trip but that was a great <laughs> trip so i think the next day we went on a cruise with uh gosh, yeah all those players on the all, in the, all bay. the players and everything went with the cruise yeah oh wait 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 let me back up to my story real quick i forgot to tell you this that um, as I'm on the beach there, one of the guys from the, ho- from the hotel, I think, somebody with a walkie-talkie, somebody local, he walks out and he's like, he's like, uh, I'm going to butcher accent. this. Yes, I'm going to butcher this accent. He's like, so how far down, how far down shore were you? And I go, I don't know, probably a couple of miles. And he's like, oh, mate, you don't go down there. Them are shark waters. Yeah, do you think? <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for telling me. I think I saw one. <laughs> yeah, right. So, anyways, so yeah, what a what a great time that was, though, man. Ah, oh, they treated us like kings. Oh yeah, it was great. Oh yeah, and uh, oh, before that, uh, we uh, rem- remember rollerblading all through downtown Sydney. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. Oh. At one point, you took off. We were like, "Oh crap, we're exhausted." I think it was just me, Thorpe, you, and your uh, brother or your assistant. Yeah, my brother. And we, en- we ended up uh, hanging out with the guys uh, sitting on the street corners uh, listening to them play the didgeridoo. Yes! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, I, those experiences were so awesome, though. You got to go to the Sydney Opera House, you know, the Sydney Zoo, this, the uh, Sydney Bridge, uh, the aquarium there that we went to. Oh, the aquarium. That's right. I forgot yeah. about that. Dude, there's some great things in Sydney. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. all the all the performances that we did, that, that was a blast. Just trying, you know, putting skits together as we were, you know, there and doing all our dunk shows and everything like that and autograph signings. And oh, what a blast. I remember we pulled up to a mall appearance and uh, they had a limo for us that drove us there. We're in costume, so we had to get dressed at the hotel. We right. get in costume in the limo and uh, take our heads off, cruising through Sydney. Uh, we go to this mall, and we get out, and it's like we're rock stars getting out of a, oh, uh, yeah. a limo there. <laughs> so funny. Go in, do our thing and everything. And then um, on that same trip, gosh, I remember at some event. I don't know if it was – I don't think it was at the mall. It was at another – it was at a gym. We were about to perform. We had our – dressing room upstairs or whatever i come back in and here you are with my video camera um uh, and you're filming kudo in my <laughs> he's wearing my tail backwards he's got no clothes on except for my <laughs> tail and he's wearing it backwards and he's dancing around and everything uh, i walk in i'm like what are you guys doing oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, Kudo used to do some crazy stuff like that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he uh oh he 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 told me of even times recently when he was performing um with his inflatable uh but he was naked inside. <laughs> oh fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, hey, so that's I the kind to, of stuff to, he used to do. 
<laughs> I know that was so him. Um, I need to pause here. I got to take a quick uh, break as far as uh, a little uh, a little sponsor break here. Blah blah blah. Hey, I want to pause here and tell you a bit more about our sponsor, Alinko Costumes. Alinko is family owned and operated. Their first pro costume was the San Diego Chicken. <laughs> and their first NBA costume was the Phoenix Suns Gorilla. Alinko's history dates back 100 years, and now they make over a thousand mascots a year, including high school, college, corporate, and pro teams. Needless to say, they know their stuff. They also stand by their work with the best warranty in the business. I swear I've called Jill at all times of the day, and she always answers. Alinko has earned my business, so I recommend you go where the pros go, alinkocostumes.com. Now, back to this episode. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, we're back. So I want to get back to a couple stories here, but I also want to talk about um, what's going on now. A few months ago, and, and you'll, you'll have to fill me in on this. A few months ago, we found out, I found out through Facebook and everything, that uh, you had come down with some cancer. I did. Uh, I don't know how and when and where, uh, but... Uh, and it's, that, that makes it sound like you caught a cold. I'm sorry. You were, you were diagnosed with cancer. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I just, it was nothing. Uh, and come to, well, what my doctor calls it is I have atypical cancer, which I don't have any symptoms. And oh. the type and the type of cancer that I have, it's called follicular, uh, non Hodgkin's lymphoma. And what that is, it gets into your lymph nodes and it's in your bloodstream in the lymph nodes. And um, it's a very slow growing type of cancer. Uh, and fortunately enough for me at this point in time, it's not life threatening. Uh, the comment that my doctor had said that uh, I'll probably die with this disease, not from it. Mm. Um, so, but what had happened is I woke up one morning, I get in the shower and I have a lump on the inside of my thigh and right above that on my groin. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, Hmm, that's weird. And I'm poking around, pushing on it. I'm like, it doesn't hurt. Nothing like that. And, uh, so I asked my wife, Hey, you know, honey, make me a doctor appointment. I want to get this looked at. Well, I didn't know. And like a year, year and a half before the same thing had happened. And I was like, hmm, that's weird. I don't, you know, understand. It doesn't hurt or anything, but it's swollen. Maybe I have some kind of infection. And I knew that there were lymph nodes in that area. And uh, it, I said, let me keep an eye on it. Two or three days, they were gone. The lumps were gone. You know, there was still no pain, no nothing. So I was like, I blew it off. So then, year, year and a half later, it happens again. I make the appointment. They do some tests and they're like, okay, well, we got to do some more tests. Uh, we want to, you know, get a biopsy of it. So we're going to have to go through that. And um, they went in and, you know, they just stick a big syringe in you. And then, you know, four or five times stick a, you know, it's like a straw that they poke into your leg and they stick another syringe in and scrape a little bit and figure out, uh, you know, they sent in it for testing and they found out that it was cancer. So they wanted to do more tests. They wanted to find out, other uh you know, narrow it down to what type of cancer that it was so i also had to go in for a uh, bone marrow bone marrow biopsy which i laid on my stomach and uh it looked like uh, uh, a literally uh, a corkscrew how you know it's it twists around but this is actually straight but jabbed it in to my uh hip area and started mm. twisting it and you could just hear <laughs> grinding into the bone to get to the bone marrow. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was literally, she was like a corkscrew pulling out a uh, cork from a wine bottle. But you could hear the grinding of the bone. Um, uh, that, obviously, they numbed it and whatnot. Oh so gosh. I couldn't feel it, but I could feel the pressure and I could hear the scraping. So they did all the tests <clears throat> and come to find out that I did have lymphoma. Well, we went into the, uh, then at that point in time, I get recommended to the oncologist. I go to the oncologist. The oncologist reads up on all the, you know, testing and whatnot and has determined that I have follicular non-Hodgkin's non lymphoma. Where do we go from there? You know, we're panicked. What do I do? I've got a house and a wife uh, in California. We're both from Indiana. And 
you know, am I going to have to start making, you know, arrangements? So um, we talked more and more with the doctor and uh, she said, well, I think you're only at maybe stage one or two, but let's do some, you know, more tests. Let's get some CAT scans and whatnot. After the CAT scans, she said, well, you know, it's not really bad, but there's more of it. There's more uh, of the cancer in the lymph nodes in your abdomen. And I was also described that you have lymph nodes all over your body, not just in your armpits, not just in your groin. You have them in your chest, you have them in your uh, abdomen, you know, so they're all over the place. Right. And she said, well, you know, that doesn't look too bad, but more of the lymph nodes than I thought have this. So here's the options. You can deal with it and go from there and see how, you know, if it progresses anymore, then we start treatment. Uh, but my wife and I had already discussed this and I said, let's take this head on. We're going to go ahead, you know, immediately with the chemotherapy treatment. So, uh, that's, uh, this was, uh, I was diagnosed a year ago, March and by, oh, May, wow. by May, uh, I had started chemotherapy and I had six months of chemotherapy, uh, once every 28 days. And, uh, my sister did a lot of research, uh, sent me all the notes and I kept looking stuff up and, uh, the doctors would even tell me, you know, everybody reacts differently to chemotherapy. There's different types of chemotherapy, but we're going to do uh, uh, chemotherapy plus uh, a new drug. Uh, it's called Gaziva, which is uh, an immunotherapy type of drug, mm-hmm. and which I'm still doing. I have to do that every two months for two years. Uh, so the chemotherapy started, and I would do the immunotherapy one day, and then I'd uh, come back and I'd do immunotherapy and chemotherapy the next day, or actually chemotherapy both days. And, um, it just, it wiped me out. Uh, it made it, I, it's hard to explain. It feels like I had just taken a couple of shots of bourbon and rode three roller coasters in a row. And that's how I felt constantly. Oh, I can't even imagine for two weeks. It it was like, you know how you do, uh, as a mascot, you have the little competition where you do dizzy bat. Uh Uh-huh. And you stand up and you're dizzy and your equilibrium is off and feels weird. That's yep. how I, that's how I felt for two weeks after chemotherapy. Um, I never I never got sick. I didn't ever throw up. Uh, they did give me you know anti nausea medicine, but still I know people that violently got you know sick and threw up and uh, people who lost their hair and they lost a ton of weight because they couldn't eat. I was the exact opposite. Um, but I never threw up. I didn't lose my hair and I gained 35 pounds over the process of this because I couldn't do anything. I'd get out of bed to, you know, after, you know, a few days to go to the grocery store with my wife. And after that, you know, I'm gone for, you know, on my feet for, you know, half hour, hour. I, as soon as we got back, I'm on the couch. Mm. I just, and the, yeah, some people, I talked to another buddy, uh, uh, which I met through this. He's the mascot for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, he had yeah, Hodgkin's Eric. lymphoma. And uh, he said, oh, after two or three days, you're, you'll be back in the gym. Well, like I said, people react differently. He was good after two or three days. Me, I was two weeks. So mm-hmm. it was grueling for me. Uh, so, uh, and but, uh, you know, I don't recommend it for anybody, <laughs> but, you know. If you got to do it, you got to do it and just keep your head up and, you know, stay positive. And, you know, cancer, you know, cancer is not uh, exactly a death sentence anymore. It's, uh, you know, they have better treatments for it. It's not, you know, uh, some, some people can get theirs cured and they'll go into remission. My type of cancer, uh, I'll, I'll never really be in remission. I will always have this cancer. It's not curable, but it's always going to be there. And I just have to, you know, every, uh, I, you know, at, right now I see the doctor every two months just because I have to see the doctor and then do my treatment the next day for the immunotherapy. And then um, uh, every six months I'm getting a CT scan. I just got another CT scan and she said everything looks stable. And so that's a good thing. You know, it, it, it uh, helped with my cancer. It got it, 
in some kind of submission. And with the immunotherapy I'm doing for the next two years is hopefully going to just keep it at bay. And hopefully it won't turn into another type of cancer, a more aggressive cancer. So uh, I just have to, it's like holding my breath for every six months until I get, you know, more tests and, you know, to see if uh, I'm, I'm good, I'm stable and everything else comes out, you know, my, all my blood tests come out clean. My CAT scans come out, you know, stable. So it's just, uh, I'm, it's going to be something I'm going to have to worry about the rest of my life. You know, I try not to stress about it. I try not to, uh, overthink it. Um, which is tough to uh, do. I've heard. I mean, obviously, I mean, I haven't had cancer, but I mean, gosh, you put anything in front of me. I start worrying about, you know, anything and everything. So oh, I can't I, imagine. I, I'm the same way too, you know, when it comes to bills or, you know, yeah. something else, you know, it just, I get to, I, I, you worry about so many things, you know, I'm, I'm so focused on, you know, whether when I was an athlete, I was focused when I was, you know, doing the mascotting, I was focused. And when things come up like that, I get focused, but this is something that you have to change your mindset that you can't dwell on it. You can focus on it and say, okay, I'm going to take this head on and I'm going to have to do, you know, do exactly what the doctor tells me to do. I'm going to have to, you know, uh, stick to the program and, you know, uh, I have to, I have to think about it seriously, you know? Uh, but other than that, when I'm done with the doctor and she says everything's stable and for the next two months, I just have to go, okay, well, you know, I'm healthy. I wake up every day. I feel good. I don't have any more lump. All right. Stay positive. Keep good thoughts. You know, thank God that you're still here another day. And, uh, you, you know, you move on. And then when it comes time, you know, I got to see the doctor again, uh, February, uh, no, I'm sorry, September 5th, you know, she'll poke around. She goes, Oh, you know, okay. You lump nose, you know, look good. They don't say anything swollen. How do you feel? Now I feel good. You know, like I said, uh, early on I was asymptomatic. I didn't have any symptoms of cancer. I didn't feel bad. I didn't have any kind of symptoms that I needed to go to the doctor. You know, I feel bad. What's wrong with me? Oh, I just have a couple lumps on my, you know, thigh. Right. And that's how it was. And fortunately enough, uh, like I said, you know, mine's a slow growing cancer and I hope it stays that way. I was going to ask you, you know, what have you learned? But I, but then you kind of went into that and, uh, well, you know, you learn everything and it's different, you know, cause I'm, I'm the type of person I'm, I'm very compassionate when it comes to this type of thing, you know, uh, I mentioned earlier the mascot Olympics in Orlando that we go to, I got, I got a story here that I, I've got to tell and it brings tears to my eyes. I'm, I'm already welling up, it brings tears to my eyes to tell this story because this is one of those heartwarming stories that you can't make this up. You can't write it. And it, it's just one of those instances that you'll never, ever, forget in your entire lifetime when i got cancer first thing i thought about was this little child because we were doing we the event was pretty much over that we were going through the uh closing ceremonies of the event just like you know any kind of olympic event that you have closing ceremonies opening ceremonies well um uh the uh lady who was singing you know the national anthem and the closing ceremonies song she was in a wheelchair. I can't remember what disease she had, um, but she was, you know, stricken to a wheelchair, you know, her entire life, but she had an incredible voice. So she sang and I pick up this little girl and I don't know what disease she has. She's probably, you know, some kind of terminal cancer or terminal disease. I'm in my costume, lights go out. I can't see a thing. So it, cause it's dark inside the costume as well. And this girl's got her legs and arms wrapped around me. And I can't tell if she's crying or laughing, but I can feel her body convulsing, you know, like, like she's so excited that, you know, she kind of, you can feel, you know, the excitement and she's kind of, you know, her body's just kind of jittery or jumping or like when somebody's really crying and bawling that, you know, hoo, 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 you know, their whole body is just, you can feel it. Right. So I'm under my costume in tears because I thought she was crying, you know, and I'm like, this little girl is going to die sometime in the near future, maybe 
a month, maybe a year, maybe five years. I don't know unless, unless they come up with a cure for whatever she has because this event is for terminally ill children. It's a Make-A-Wish Foundation. It's to give these children their, you know, a wish to make them happy. Right. So end of the song, you know, every, you know, the crowd's cheering, lights come up. I pull her away so I can see her face. See, I told you, <laughs> I'm, I'm welling up, I'm crying. And she is giggling and has the biggest smile on her face. And I was lucky enough to give that to her. So I just, and, and it, it is. And uh, those are the moments you're never going to forget. I always ask people, so what, you know, give me a highlight of your career. Give me a, you know, some big experience. And I'll tell you what, nine times out of 10, it's, it's a story like this, not, Hey, I high fived uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger or I, you know, I got to, yeah. you know, be in a movie with Van, Vin Diesel or, you know, whatever. Right. It's, it's these moments that really stick with you and really make an impact. Oh yeah. And when I got cancer, it was the same type of thought. It's just like, Oh my God. Uh, you know, what was that child going through, you know, and all that. And the, the other story I have, I used to do appearances for uh, uh, Riley Children's Hospital in Indianapolis. I said, if they ever call, I'll cancel appointments, you know, appearances to go to Riley. And we were standing out, we were going through the uh, rooms and whatnot. And, you know, the assistant, you can't ask them, you know, why they're sick, why they're there, how long they're going to be there. Just, you know, hey, this is Boomer and he'll sign autographs for you. Well, we're waiting outside this one room and the doctor's like, hold on, we don't know if, you know, Boomer can go in. Uh, and so the doctor finally comes out, says, okay, we can only be in there for a very short period of time. This uh, little girl had been burned, third degree burns over 90% of her body. Oh, face, gosh. neck, arms, hands, everything. So we go in and this little girl took every ounce of energy to try to sit up and lean her head up so she could see Boomer. Mm. If I, if, oh my gosh. If that doesn't drive a knife through your heart. I, you know, and, and those she's probably people, disfigured, probably just, oh, if mean, she survived. And, yeah. Oh, uh, so, oh my gosh, wow. you know, but wow. to, and I'm, I'm bawling on the inside of my costume, just crying. Like, yeah, how can you know? not be? I mean, you're in such a, such a situation there. And this child is, is, is making an effort just to sit up for you. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so the thing is, you know, with, with, uh, my cancer and I try to tell everybody else that, you know, people have it worse than I do. You know, if and if this was a type of cancer that they gave me six months to live, I would say, thank God, you know, I, I, I've had a full life. You know, my sister, she was the one who was really freaked out and panicked about it. And I had I've, I've had to tell her several times, calm down. You know, what about those five year old kids that die of cancer? They never got to experience life. They never yeah. got to do anything. They didn't get to, you know compete in gymnastics all through college. They didn't get to, you know, be a mascot and perform for thousands of people every night. They didn't get to travel the world like I did. They didn't get to do anything that I got to do. Yeah. So I, if, if I go, it's my, if I go, it's my time, you know, do I have more to fulfill in life? Absolutely. But everybody does. So, you know, I'm thankful that I'm still here. I'm, you know, thankful that my cancer is, uh, you know, not life threatening, you know, and I just got to be thankful. And every time I, every time I get down on myself about this, I had, I, I think about these children. I did that mascot Olympics for nine years. Even mm -hmm. after I was boomer, I moved to California. They brought me in a couple years after that. Wow. Really? Yeah. I got amazing. to do, I got to MC a couple of the events, but <laughs> they brought me in. I mean, that's, you know, how passionate I was about it. 
and about these kids. And it's like, they don't get to live. Yeah. You know, they're children, babies that are in hospitals getting chemotherapy. You know, it's, it's a lesson for us all. You know, it is. I, I like how you said, you know, hey, somebody else has got it a lot worse. And, oh, yeah. You know, and it's, it, it's, it's, that's just a life lesson. You gosh, we, we get down on ourselves. And I, like, I do, I get down on myself, you know, constantly about this or that or how I dropped the ball here or this happened to me or yeah. somebody cut me off in traffic or, oh, yeah. Know, whatever. I, we, I mean, we all do. But yeah. it's just, I think people need to take a step back and just, say wait a minute it's not that bad yeah. you know i get angry when people cut me off in traffic too but you got to step back and say it's not that bad <laughs> not the end of the world exactly it can always be worse and people a lot of people have it worse so yeah. every time i get down on myself i think about things like that and i just you know what i can't you know i gotta be more positive because i have to be thankful that i've lived the life that i have and you know I got, well, you know, I got a beautiful wife of almost 22 years now. And, uh, you know, she's still very supportive. Stuck, stuck with you that long. Yeah. <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Well, you've happened, been very but... blessed and you're very talented as well. Um, uh, I know that, uh, this, uh, this, um, situation that you're in has also caused you difficulties with, uh, uh, employment as well. So, yeah. If there's, uh, you know, somebody listening that uh, would like to know more or at least, uh, you know, reach out and, and see if they can, you know, if they've got work or, or whatever, how would somebody get a hold of you? I would just say, you know, look me up on Facebook. There you go. Paul yeah. Lenny. Okay. And that's, okay. well, that's another thing. Uh, it's uh, when this all started, uh, we wanted to keep it quiet and, you know, I didn't want, you know, people to worry and, you know, whatnot and. All of a sudden, you know, I find out my sister had started a GoFundMe. I don't even think it's still up there, but a GoFundMe page. And I started getting phone calls out of the woodwork. Like, you know, oh, my God, there are people freaking out. And I'm like, calm down. (laughs) We tried to keep it quiet, but yes, you know, and so. But yeah, Yeah. if anybody wants to, you know, look me up, just go ahead on Facebook. Like you spell it out, P-A-U-L-L-I-N-N-E. Awesome. Awesome. I'm there. So. Paul, give me one last mascot story. Mm, let me end you <laughs> with you this. On the spot there. Oh, no, no, no. Let me, let me end you with this. Uh, I want you to close your eyes. <laughs> I want you to clear your mind. Are you doing it, Kenny? I'm, I'm there. Yes, <laughs> it's very dark. I want you just to listen to my voice. <laughs> Be at peace with yourself, and I want to leave you with this image. Mass, uh, midget musical chairs. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, can you edit that out? I, I phrased it wrong. Close your yes. eyes. Clear your mind. Just listen to my voice. And I want to leave you with this image. Midget musical chairs with bar stools. <laughs> Please tell me you did that. I wish I could have. <laughs> My organization was right there. And then they're like, because we used to have a little guy uh, perform with me. He would be the leprechaun on, you know, St. Patrick's Day and whatnot. And we had asked him, he said, we've got this skit that we want to do and because he he knew some people he had some buddies who could do this and he was all for it and then i think it came down to probably the president or marketing director of the organization has said yeah that's gonna offend some people and i'm like (laughs) are you kidding me oh man midget musical chairs with bar stools that is the funniest (laughs) thing ever I am dying, man. I have got I've I've got to at least try to get that done in your honor. Oh my gosh. I'm telling I'm Kenny, gonna, I'm gonna bring that up in my meeting on Thursday. Kenny, that I if you think about it, <laughs> it's brilliant. So Tell, simple, it's simple but brilliant. 
I don't, I don't care what you're doing at some point in time in the next few days. That's funny. You're just going to start laughing. I already am. And I'm telling you, I, I'm going to bring that up in my meeting on Thursday. Absolutely. Hands down. Dude, no doubt. That is if, actually, if you never fly done. in my, it'll, it, right. I, it'll I, never I, fly. Yeah. There is a 99% chance that this will, they won't even blink at this, let alone entertain the thought. Because, so, because however, people, people are too sensitive these days and they're going to think sensitive. and they're going to think it's offensive. Oh, I'm like, I know. come on. If you've got Dude. little people that are willing to do it, how offensive can it be? That's like saying the whole cheerleader thing. Oh, they're being exploited. These girls. Wait a second. No one's forcing them. I don't see chains. I don't, I don't see. I, I, they're, they're not being. I, I don't know. I have, a, I have an issue with that where, you know, gosh, come on, people. I, why, why are we overthinking this too much? I mean, and. It, exactly. Oh, uh, anyways. Yeah, Midget musical chairs with bar stools. <laughs> we might we might have to we might have to rename it little person. Well, that's. <laughs> can you imagine these little people trying to climb up onto the bar stools? Absolutely, I can. This is brilliant. And Dude, one gets I left love out you for that idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm gonna hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can make it happen. It'll I, yeah, it'll never happen. But yeah, if it does, you get all the it, credit, man. It's worth a try. Oh <laughs> uh, well, dude, it's been a true pleasure talking to you, man. Jeez, I just uh, I miss you. I miss I you, do man. Too. Well, hey, that's the kind of things that uh, the the kind of people that we are is that no matter how much time or distance there is in between us, we can pick up where we left off, and that's what we did yesterday. Yep. Just like like we hadn't, you know. Oh yeah, I saw you a month ago. No big deal. Nope. You're good that's people, just, man. Oh God! I yeah, I sure miss you. I sure love you. And hey. uh, let's let's keep in contact. And uh, I, I know we will from here on out. But uh, yes, I know that a lot of the guys in the league, when they listen to this, are going to be so excited uh, to hear from you as well. So we, you, you, you come up still in conversations, awesome. uh, stories, and things like that. So the legend of Paul lives on. Well, tell everybody that musical chairs with bar stools to everybody and see if anybody in the league can get that done. <laughs> <laughs> you know somebody's going to pull it off. We'll get her done. <laughs> all right. Well, I wish everybody the best of luck and uh, all the guys out there that have come after us and that are still there that, you know, keep keep on keeping on because it's a, it's a wonder, wonderful gig to have. Yep. Life's a garden. Dig it. Yep. All right, buddy. So, I appreciate uh, it. Hey, have a great day. Thanks, man. Yeah, take Love care. You. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.